And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 179. It's titled Eagles, Chickens, and Rescue Dogs. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hello, you beauties. You alright? Before I start, I want to say a huge thank you to some new patrons that have joined my Patreon community. If you missed last month's episode, you might not know that I've started up a fund for underprivileged folk to be able to get private therapy without having to wait so long for it on the NHS. And so I had a a lovely influx of new patrons in February. So a big hello and thank you to Leslie, Helen, Malcolm, Paulette, Kate, Tam, David, Andrew, Paul, Tanya, Anna, Bill, Liz, Nicola, Kate, John, Jordan and Andrea. Had loads. It's been amazing. Really, really good to see so many people come on board and help me out with all of this uh, this fundraising lark. It's brilliant. You're helping to make someone's life um, so much better. You're making a difference. You genuinely are. And I've also been able to set up a direct debit to helping the National Deaf Children's Society as well. They've got a lot of campaigns running and uh, and are a really good support for children, uh, for their parents, for teachers, anyone that needs needs help. And I can't thank you enough for helping me support them, even though I do keep trying, don't I? Thank you. Anyway, enough with the gushing and on with the show. Now, I'm going to start today's episode with a little story. It's a story about the eagle that didn't know that it was an eagle, and it goes like this. One day, a farmer found an eagle's egg under a tree, and not knowing if the little eaglet inside was still alive, he took it to his farmyard and put it in a nest of a simple barnyard hen. The tiny eaglet was alive, and soon he hatched alongside a brood of chicks, and he grew up with them all. And as he grew, He did everything that a chicken would do, for this eagle was not aware that he wasn't actually a chicken. He would scratch at the earth for worms and insects, he would cluck and cackle, and he'd flap his wings so as to just fly a few feet into the air. And as the years went by, and the eagle grew old, he glanced up into the sky one day and spotted this magnificent bird flying high above him on a cloudless sky. And it glided in great majesty among the powerful, wind currents with scarcely a beat of its strong golden wings. The eagle looked up in awe and said to his neighbour, what is that? And that, said his chicken friend, is an eagle, the king of all birds. He belongs to the sky, just as we belong to the earth. After all, said the chicken, we are just chickens. "Eh, Yes, said the old eagle, sadly, I am just a chicken but I wish I could have been born an eagle. And so the eagle lived and died as a chicken, for that is all that he thought that he was. The end. Now, I wonder sometimes who I am in that story. I don't know if I'm the eagle that flew, or the eagle that just flapped and thought it was a chicken. Am I a different character altogether? Am I in fact a chicken pretending to be an eagle, just waiting to get caught out? No matter who I am, I wonder who you are. And I wonder what you grew up thinking you were. 
because the only thing holding the eagle back from trying to fly and realising that he was an eagle all along was this lifelong belief with an expectation of self. And that's really hard to shift. It's really hard to think of yourself as being able to have great confidence if you've only ever had low confidence all of your life. If you always thought that you were a chicken, it wouldn't matter if the flying eagle in the story had come out of the sky, landed in the farmyard and tapped the eagle on its little eagly shoulder and said, what the hell are you doing down here hanging around with all these chickens? You're an eagle, come on with me. It just wouldn't matter. It would still live and die like a chicken. Because the knowledge that he had the ability to fly is irrelevant, pretty much. It's too big a jump. So if you think of yourself as underconfident, if you think of yourself as insecure, shy, anxious, whatever, then it's going to feel unrealistic to think that you're capable of anything else, even if there is evidence that it's possible. So to make it realistic, we need some steps that lead you in the right direction. And if we're honest, we also need to see what confidence specifically means to you, as it's a very subjective word, confidence. It's going to mean something different to everybody. One person might think of confidence as being assertive. This ability to find that there's a balance between arrogance and shyness that lets them put their views across and in such a way that other people are going to be able to listen and respect what they say, which is great. Especially if, with that confidence, you've also got that balance between caring too little about what people think of you and caring too much. Because all the assertiveness in the world doesn't stop somebody from judging you if they want to. It doesn't automatically create respect. It's always a two-way street. And we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with the fact that we can't actually control other people's thoughts. That all we can do is our best. But here's the key to it. Somebody judging you won't affect you if you already have a strong sense of self. If someone does judge you, or they act as if you're unlikable, and it confirms these existing beliefs that actually, yeah, I'm a bad person as it happens, and now you know it as well, then it is going to influence you. But someone that's got good self-esteem, they can have the exact same experiences, and because someone misjudging you is just that, a misjudgment, it's able to be brushed off as just somebody making a mistake, because you already know that you're a good person. Something amusing happened to me last year. I needed to post a birthday card to my nephew, and I walked out of my Tamworth uh, practice and wandered off uh, down the road towards the post office. It's inside the co-op. And I um, walked towards a car that was at a red light, and the driver was was in his, I don't know, probably early 20s and something like that. As I got closer to, to his car, he honked his horn. And I, I looked up, because I was sort of looking at the path, I suppose. I, I looked up and, and he nodded at me. Just a, a little little nod of the head and made eye contact. And he nodded a bit more, as if to say, hello. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure if I know you. But I smiled and nodded back. I thought, you know, it could have been an old client from 20 years ago or something for all I know. Well, maybe not, because he was in his early 20s anyway. Anyway, he made these sort of head movements as if to say, I need to tell you something. Wait, keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. This is important. And I'm walking slower. 
uh, as, as I'm looking at him, not sure what to expect. And he very slowly raised his right arm from beside him up towards the, the, the side window of the car and showed me his hand, of which his middle finger was sticking up at me. And then he honked his horn again and basically just stuck his finger up at me and sounded his horn for no reason at all as I was walking past him. And I thought it was hilarious. And I, I laughed a bit and he carried on honking his horn in this sort of cheery rhythm as I wandered off towards the co-op. And all the way around the supermarket, because I'm getting myself some lunch at the time, I'm giggling to myself. And I thought afterwards, God, I'm glad it was me that he chose to do that to. Because you can't really tell from looking at somebody whether they've got a sense of humour like mine or not. You can't tell whether somebody's anxiety levels are going to make them um, afraid by that experience, whether it's going to really upset them. But maybe you could tell from my body language and the fact that I didn't ignore him in the first place that he could have a bit of a laugh. No matter, I'm glad he picked me. Because for now, anyway, my sense of self is strong enough that anything that somebody else does like that is only going to be about them, not about me. I remember the comedian Dave Gorman saying once that he had a message on Twitter from a stranger that said, Your mother is a whore. And for a second he thought to himself, Is she? That's unexpected. Before obviously just ignoring them and just getting on with his life because it was just somebody being a troll. And he said that because the words are irrelevant. They can't have an emotion attached to them if they're irrelevant. They might as well have said... I'm just trying to upset you, or your dentist is a Libra, for all the relevance they had. And I loved that. And I I thought, if we can look at somebody's actions or words and always turn it into what's really going on in their head, then things like, you're late again, can become, I'm tired, and... A stranger sticking his middle finger up at you at a traffic light can become, I'm bored. But it takes a good sense of self-esteem to see that in action. And I've used this phrase, self-esteem, or a good sense of self, quite a bit in this episode so far. So it's worth exploring a little bit about how these things develop. Because someone asked me this question recently. They said, are we born confident and then learn to be anxious? Or is it the opposite way around? Are we born anxious and then learn to be confident? And they wondered this because they saw conflicting evidence. Children that automatically assume that they deserve to be treated well, they don't see threats in strangers and they have no reason to think that their primary caregiver won't always be there for them when they call. And then there's other youngsters who cling to their mother's skirt because the outside world is a dangerous place. So if you were to go further back into those children's lives, it's probably fair to say they had pretty much the exact same initial start in life. But even if in those initial very few first few days of life, even if they are different, isolated or traumatic, all of them, both of them, they'd still have started vulnerable. Vulnerable, massively dependent on somebody else to look after them. And very much frightened of change. Babies have this um, sensitive startle response that either fades away over time and leaves them quite chilled out. Or it doesn't fade away and can leave them on edge and anxious, even though everything's fine. 
And even if you look at other animals, most of them are born very weak, very small. They learn from an early age that they are vulnerable. They learn to fear. There's really only some big animals like lions and tigers that are the exceptions. From an early age, they know their place. They know that they're powerful and they should be scared of, not scared. But humans aren't like that. We're quite a quite a new species, really. We practically fell out of the trees yesterday and started hiding in caves from predators. So it takes a lot of nurturing to gain confidence. But we're all born with the potential for confidence. And it takes a, a supporting and safe environment to bring it all out. We're all born chickens but with the potential to be an eagle. But if we're only ever given evidence that we're a chicken, then we'll never learn to fly. But I guess the question is, how do we learn all this as adults? If we've been practising being a chicken all of our lives, what do we need to do to start changing those foundations that have been holding us back from from feeling more confident and self-assured? Well, I think of it as a bit like training a rescue dog. And anybody that's ever done that probably knows the difference between training a puppy and training an older dog that has been abused. The rescue dog has been taught all of its life that people can't be trusted. You have to rely on yourself and only bad things happen to you. And to teach a dog like that that it doesn't need to be on guard all the time and that it deserves to be loved is hard. It's slow and quite challenging doesn't matter at first how much fuss you give the dog it's still got experiences in its brain that need diluting down in order to fade the past needs to feel like the past and i think that's the same for us adults as well if you want to i don't know be a confident public speaker if you've got a foundation of beliefs that says i can't do that it's not going to feel right to try and convince yourself that you can. You need to start slowly. I can't do that yet is probably the first place to start. When it comes to boosting confidence and let that eventually become, I can pretend that I can do that, maybe. So that you're doing it, but it doesn't feel natural. You're kind of blagging it a bit. And that can eventually become, I can do that. But for the process to work, it has to be done with the right attitude. If you're hard on yourself because you're not where you want to be yet, but you feel that you should be, then you probably need to stop a minute and recognise that you're learning to override a lifetime of belief. Be okay with it taking a little while. It's taken you a lifetime to get where you are today with the beliefs that you have, but it's not going to be another lifetime to override it. Just be patient. And respectful with yourself. And have the same respect for yourself as you would have with an ill-treated dog. You wouldn't kick it when it's down, would you? And you, if you did, you wouldn't expect it to help it become less nervous. So don't kick yourself either. On that note, I will have to love you and leave you now. Look at the time, 15 minutes and a bit, nearly 16. If you'd like more episodes, of course, as previously mentioned, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Richard Nichols. Not only are you going to have access to all of the previous available episodes, but there'll be a special one just for you every Monday morning. And you'll be contributing to making the world a better place as well, which is quite nice. So go and do that if you like. And I will speak to you all again very soon. Bye.